So if you're the individual who is potentially interested in coaching, I would say the absolute most important prerequisite is an openness to learn, to grow, and to change, even a willingness to do that. That is fundamental to being able to get value out of a coaching process. That was Allison Joslin providing one of her many tips for individuals considering the services of an executive or career coach. Executive and career coaching is the focus of this episode, episode number 62 of Looking Forward. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. In this episode of Looking Forward, we're going to continue speaking about a profession which is intended to help people improve their success in the working world. I'm speaking about professional career coaching, and within that domain, executive coaching. In part two of this two-part series, we'll discuss such things as what the future may have in store for executive and career coaching, how to determine whether you need a career coach, whether you are an executive or not, tips on choosing a coach, and what opportunities the world of career and executive coaching might offer to those in the know, such as you, are looking forward listeners. To help us do that, we're again going to chat with our outstanding guest expert, Allison Joslin. Allison Joslin is an International Coaching Federation certified executive coach, speaker, and workshop leader. For over 25 years, she worked as a senior executive in the biopharma industry. Her roles range from leading large international commercial regions and country operations to heading strategic functions and franchises globally. Allison leverages her business and leadership experience in combination with her coaching skills to support senior executives and high potential individuals as they seek to maximize their impact and grow in responsibility, all while facing the complexity and uncertainties of today's environment. She works one-to-one -one with coaching clients across a variety of industries. Allison is a graduate of Yale University, received her MBA from Dartmouth, and her coaching certification from the University of Miami of Florida. Allison, one of the reasons why we call this podcast Looking Forward is because we're looking ahead. Yeah. We try not to look 30 years ahead because it's hard to even figure out what's going to happen tomorrow sometimes. Yeah. But we do ask <laughs> you to speculate because it's educated speculation on your part. You are an expert in this area. So as we look forward over the next three to five years, yeah. what changes or trends might you expect to see in the world of executive coaching? And I'm speaking about things like the number of people who offer it. You gave us some pretty big numbers before. Where it's offered, the number of people who use it, the way in which it's provided, and things like that. Sure. So I think the most obvious trend, and probably everybody would you know, understand this and agree, is that you will probably see an even bigger proportion 
of one-on-one -on -one coaching shifting to a video conferencing platform, you know, virtual coaching. It just makes sense. You know, most people are still working from home, but it's also convenient. There's no travel involved. The expense is less and makes it much more accessible. Plus, you have a much wider pool of coaches from which to draw and find that right coach for you. So that's first. Second, I think you're going to see increasing specialization in terms of coaches focusing on a niche area. So if you look in the field of executive coaching, which is already a subset of coaching in general, you know, you'll have executive coaches who work specifically with CEOs. You'll have executive coaches who work with expats, executive coaches who work primarily with women leaders. And I think we're going to see that becoming more and more narrowly focused. So there will be additional specialization or, or niching. Coaching is a field is an interesting one. I mentioned it's a young profession, relatively speaking. And up until today, it's an area that has not been regulated at all. So I, I suspect as time goes, we may see some regulation being put into place requiring licensing, exams, credentialing, something, because you know, one of the risks that people face today is anybody could call themselves a coach. And how do you know that you're hiring somebody that actually has the capabilities and skills to be able to coach effectively? You know, regulation, licensing, those sorts of things would help with that. So I expect we may see some of that. And then we had talked about you know, how coaching is seen and valued, I think that it will become increasingly sort of the norm for senior executives, at least to have coaches and probably further down into the organization as well. Um, so, you know, those are some interesting trends. With a lot of people coming into the field as coaches offering their service, with the specialization being there, I think the, the fit is also going to become increasingly important, really finding that right coach for you, making sure that they've got the capabilities, but also that the chemistry is good, is going to be important. And I, I wonder how this is going to impact the economics and the pricing, because, you know, as you get more coaches, pool is bigger, you know, that typically will drive price competition. Currently, you know, the true executive coaching tends to be reserved for these more senior folks and the, the price tags, especially with the bigger firms, can be pretty high. With the, the solo practitioners like myself, it tends to be more affordable, but it's still something that is going to make more sense financially for people at higher levels in the organization. That may change. You may also see a proliferation of something called group coaching. And I'll distinguish group coaching from team coaching because team coaching is about an individual coach coming in and working with a leader and their team and helping that team to become what we you know, all aspire to having. And that is a high performance team. Group coaching is having 
a coach who is working with a group of individuals and there may be variations on that theme. I think, you know, the mastermind approach of having groups come together to talk about relevant topics with a facilitator has become increasingly prevalent and group coaching being something similar to that. We may see more of that and that will bring prices to a level that makes it more affordable for an individual if they're paying out of pocket, more accessible to a, a larger audience. Those are some great trends. Thank you for sharing those. I want to follow up with you on some of what you said. You hit on something I was going to ask you about as a follow-up yeah. in your comments, and that is competition. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if as the field grows, you're going to see a winnowing out of people who are either in the field or aspiring to be in the field. Let's take that one first, and then I've got one more before we move on. Sure. And I would say, you know, again, if, if I look at the cohort that I studied with and did my coach training with, and there were about 35 of us to start, I can count on one hand and maybe a very few fingers how many people are actually making a go of it as full-time dedicated coaches. Wow. You know, so if you look at the number of people who are interested, who go into a coach training program, finish that program where there's already quite a bit of attrition, and then actually get into coaching and make a success of it, there's a, an enormous winnowing process that takes Right there. Place. Yeah. And, and then coaches who are able to sustain and grow their practice, you know, that, that number is further reduced over, over time. So yes, it's a field that's growing. Yes. The revenues are increasing more people coming into it, but the numbers that can really make a success of it are still somewhat limited. Yes. And by the way, I like the idea of the group coaching where it makes sense because it reminds me of getting into an Uber or getting into a taxi and you share yeah. the cost of the ride yeah. kind of things. I yeah. like that. My other question related to these trends that you're talking about, Allison, and what we might see happen over the next few years is earlier in our discussion, you talked about in some foreign countries, there aren't that many, relatively speaking, executive yeah. coaches. So yeah. what are you thinking in terms of the growth in the number of executive coaches? And maybe again, if we don't just say executive, career yeah. coaches, whatever, in foreign countries, countries outside of the US, and also in the number of people who might avail themselves of those services. Let me start by sharing with you a very specific example from my personal experience. I was leading Latin America for a rare disease biotech company, and I was based in Brazil. I wanted to do some team development work, and we set about looking for a, a coach who could come in and who could help me in, in that process. I cannot tell you how difficult it was to find someone. We tried multiple individuals and we would kind of start and stop. And, and there was a real dearth of coaching expertise. Now, this was back around 2015, 2016. I think that that has probably changed to some degree, 
but not dramatically. And that was actually part of what brought me to coaching where I thought, wow, you know, you've got this enormous talent pool in Latin America, people who are creative, who have all kinds of things to offer the world. You know, I'm, I'm talking in very general terms, I understand right now. And yet finding coaches who could support the teams or individuals, really difficult. So there's a big opportunity there. And I think we will see, but I'm not sure what to say about the timing, that that opportunity does get recognized, that the attitudes will shift around coaching, that coaching programs will start to develop locally, and that you will start to see individuals in country looking to hire people. And if they're not available locally, being able to hire from you know, a broader sort of geographic pool. So if you can extrapolate my experience in Latin America to other parts of the world, I expect you're going to be seeing similar in those areas where coaching is less so now. I believe in Asia, there are a lot of programs, coaching programs, coach training programs. Now, I, I know of a number of them based in Singapore. They seem to be filling up. There's a lot of interest in coaching. Um, so, you know, I think there are signs that coaching as a field, as a profession, as a resource is growing in other parts of the world. And there are definitely opportunities there. Well, that's exciting. And I really appreciate your shining a light on that, Allison. And that, again, is a great segue into something else I want to ask you about. The other reason we call looking forward, looking forward is because usually when you say you're looking forward to something, it's not like jumping off a cliff. Some people like jumping off cliffs, but most of us aren't looking forward to doing that, okay? We're looking yeah. forward to, in this case, opportunities. And the sad side of this is, as you well know, a lot of people have lost their jobs due to COVID. And you mentioned that earlier too. We also have people who are unsatisfied with the job they have. So they may want to change their job. They may even want to change their career. There are other people who are always looking for opportunities as investors or entrepreneurs. And then of course, let's not forget about the students. The students trying to figure out in this world that we live in with things happening so quickly and with a pandemic, where might there be opportunities for me that might help me figure out what I should major in, perhaps what school I should go to, and where I might want to work when I get out or what I might want to do. That's a disparate group, but if you could comment on that in terms of opportunities that you see in executive coaching, either as a career or as part of somebody's learning where they should go and what they should do and where they can find opportunities. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll start with the, the latter first. Again, coaching, executive coaching and, and all the other fields of coaching encompasses is just a wonderful tool for helping people to think through challenges that they face. And so coaching is a resource that I think people could use right now to help them think about, well, what is the next step I want to take? Or if I'm in an executive role, how do I build my legacy? How do I have a greater impact? 
How do I build my team? Whatever the challenges the executive may be facing, there are opportunities. The students, there are coaches out there who specialize in working with students who help them think about, it could be anything from what school do they want to get into? And then you may see a combination of coaching and consulting where there's an expertise in helping them through, guide them through the process. But first thinking about, well, what's the right fit? What are the sorts of things that are going to be of appeal to them? That's more of a coaching kind of problem because I can't tell you what you want out of your life. Only you can figure that out. But I can ask you the right types of questions that help you to figure that out when you may be stuck and really unsure. The same with students coming out of school where what's the job market looking like now and what are they open to doing? What do they want to do? How do they want to pursue that? So I think coaching really lends itself well to people struggling with finding that next gig, with figuring out what they want to do, with making a greater impact. In terms of coaching as an opportunity, as a profession, as you mentioned earlier, it's enormously rewarding in terms of the satisfaction you feel when you see a client making a breakthrough, when they have an important insight, when they see something about themselves, when they take an action that really makes a difference in terms of how they show up, the kind of person they are, what they're able to accomplish and do. So it's, it's a great profession and I would endorse it for anybody. I found personally, you know, when I first stepped out of corporate, I was still getting approached about different types of opportunities. And it was a bit of a temptation because there's a lot of things, good things that come with working in big companies. Now with more time and experience under my belt, I don't think there's a role you could offer me that would tempt me back. I really love what I'm doing. I love the opportunities for me to keep growing and developing and learning, challenging myself in helping people to become even better versions of themselves. That said, it's not that easy a field to get into. Most coaches love the side of it that I just described, the actual coaching. The business development part, not that easy. And as more coaches come out and try to make a go of it, there's an awful lot of noise out there. It's hard to compete and to rise above that noise. And you asked me earlier about COVID and how that's impacted the coaching field. Well, a lot of the networking opportunities, which is how I really believe an executive coach lands most of their clients, aren't operating in the same way. You know, getting out, going to events, meeting people, connecting, talking, letting them get to know you, it's not the same. There are substitutes through video conferences and and such, but it's not the same. So it's harder right now to be able to grow that business and be successful. I would encourage anybody who's looking at coaching as a potential full-time occupation to make sure they understand what's really involved, that they have the resources to carry them for a period of time, you know, a year, two years, where they're not going to be reliant on their coaching income to support themselves or a family. That's good sound advice. I want to come back to a couple of things in terms of opportunities that have come up during our conversation. The growth in the number of freelancers. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity for individuals to get into this field 
also to avail themselves of executive coaching. Is that correct? Yep, absolutely. Okay. How about something you mentioned about specialization? Is that an opportunity? Somebody may have some special skills that might give them a niche that might make them a little bit more attractive and unique and maybe yep. make their finding prospects and clients a little easier? Absolutely. And let me talk about this because I think there's a little bit of nuance here that's important to understand. Again, coaching from just a general approach can lend itself to almost anything. A good coach could work with someone in any industry, in any role, and help them to make progress. So when you're looking for a coach, they don't necessarily have to have your industry background or your experience. That said, someone like myself, for instance, where I've spent years in senior roles in the pharma and biotech industries, where I've gone into roles and broken gender barriers, where I've had to deal with those kinds of challenges, it means that my experience lends itself well to understanding the corporate environment, to recognizing patterns. You know, with women in particular, there's been some wonderful research done that show the types of habits that tend to get in the way for male executives versus female executives, generalizing again, are quite different. And so having lived that experience makes it a little bit easier sometimes to recognize those patterns and be able to point them out. Again, it's not about telling someone based on my experience as a general manager in Venezuela, how to do that job, but more saying, hmm, okay, I'm seeing something here that seems a little bit out of line. I, I think that's an area we might want to explore, or I'm noticing this pattern that raises some questions. Let's take a look at that. So I think that there are opportunities for specialization based on becoming well-versed in an area to be able to recognize the patterns and challenges that often confront individuals working in those areas. I will say from the business side of things, it's an easier way to do your marketing, to do your selling. You know, if I tell you, I'm an executive coach, okay, that's nice, but there's 71,000 other executive <laughs> coaches out there. What makes yeah. you different? If I tell you, I'm a former senior executive with global experience, operational management experience, and my sweet spot is working with other women executives or individuals who work outside of their home countries. Then you know something about, oh, hey, I know somebody like that. That resonates. I Let me put you in touch with that person. So from a business development and marketing standpoint, it also makes an awful lot of sense to have some way to explain more clearly and more concretely who are your clients. Yes, and that's a great point. It reminds me of a phrase which I guess is still used, but in my first career, it certainly was used, and that is having a unique selling proposition. The niche can give you, a specialty can give you. Yeah. Allison, one other thing I want to ask you about opportunities. We've talked about this earlier, but I want to come back to it. With the technology that we now have available to a lot of us, and with COVID making our use of that much more prevalent, do you see an opportunity 
for people who live in one country who are executive coaches like you providing executive coaching or other career coaching services to people who may live in a land that's 10,000 miles away. Absolutely. And, you know, in my own case, very specifically, I have multiple clients in Central America. I'm working with a client in Chile. Um, I have clients here in the U.S. I have colleagues of mine working with clients in Europe in Asia. So you can pretty much in today's world be based anywhere and work with clients anywhere. And then the only thing you're really working against are time differences, which in most cases you can get around as long as you don't mind being up a little early or staying up a little bit late, and then potentially some language barriers. There's absolutely opportunities. And when I mentioned earlier, I think this just expands enormously the pool of coaches from which a client with an interest in coaching can potentially draw. It really does. Before we have our listeners learn more about you, which I'm sure they're going to want to do, what are some really good tips, Allison, that you can give our listeners that will help them decide if they need a coach, whether they're an executive or not? and how they might go about choosing one. I heard you talk earlier about there's 71,000 and gargantuan numbers. I heard you talk about anybody could theoretically be an executive coach, hang up a shingle. Please counsel us on those things. Sure. So if you're the individual who is potentially interested in coaching, I would say the absolute most important prerequisite is an openness to learn, to grow, and to change, even a willingness to do that. That is fundamental to being able to get value out of a coaching process. Additionally, if you're in a company setting and you're hoping to have the support of a company behind you, you want your senior management to be on board and supporting your going into a coaching process and being ready to put both money where their, their mouth is, but also being supportive of you being in that process and learning and growing and trying new things. So I would say those are critical. If you're a manager thinking about hiring a coach for one of your employees, I would say, you know, beyond what I just talked about, that this employee should be somebody who is eager and open to learn, to grow, to change. You also want to make sure, are they senior enough to really justify the expense that's going to be involved? Are you truly looking for a coach or might you or the manager, you know, if you're in HR, be looking to duck some managerial responsibilities? And it's really the manager's role to be working with that individual. Make sure this is not somebody where you're just looking to push a toxic behavior or a problem employee out the door. And this is a last ditch effort that just isn't worth spending the money. So those would all be some of the additional caveats I would offer. That's good information. Let me ask you this. If you are a, what I'll call a self-pay individual, would you go about finding an executive coach in the same way as a company might? And could you speak about that process for both of those? Sure. I would say there are sort of three fundamentals that apply, whether it's company or individual looking for a coach. 
you want to get a coach that is credentialed. And there are multiple organizations around the world that are recognized, credible organizations. And I'm just going to read a couple of those to you so your, your listeners have that information. One is the International Coach Federation, ICF. Another is the European Mentoring and Coaching Council, EMCC. The other is Center for Credentialing and Education, CCE. That's a global organization. And the Worldwide Association of Business Coaches, WABC. Those are all well-respected organizations. They have credentialing processes. I would say ICF, the first one I mentioned, International Coaching Federation, probably the biggest and best known, but you want to look for a coach who has a credential from one of these organizations. That tells you they've gone through a rigorous coach training program, that they have passed exams and demonstrated proficiency. And further, being a member of these different organizations means these individuals ascribe to the code of conduct and to the ethics that are really important as a part of coaching. The second piece that applies across both is chemistry. You really want to work with somebody where there's a high degree of confidence and trust. This should be a safe space, judgment-free zone in which as I like to say, you can put your ugly toads on the table and you're not going to be judged for that. We all have them. It's part of being human. And we want to be able to look at those things and we want to be able to examine how do we change behaviors? How do we identify and maybe make changes in habits? A coach should be able to ask questions that maybe make you feel uncomfortable, but not unsafe. If they're uncomfortable because we're like, oh, you know, I, I really didn't want to discover this about myself, you know, yeah. but I need to know it because if I don't understand some of the things that I do that aren't serving me well, I have no opportunity to make changes. So again, it's somebody you need to feel comfortable with and know that they can make you uncomfortable, but trust that they're doing that in your best interest and that it stays between you. And then lastly, for executive coaches, I think corporate or industry experience is very helpful in terms of, and we had talked about this, being able to understand the context in which you operate. Does it have to be your industry? No, but having business experience, having worked in a corporate environment, that will help. Now, when you look at big companies and individuals hiring, I will say big companies often have a group of pre-selected coaches, a coaching pool that have already been approved and vetted and are, you know, official company vendors. So you have that pool from which to draw. And if you want to go outside of that, you know, it, it may be challenging, or at least there's additional hoops that you, you would have to go through. Some companies are working with large global providers. One of these that's very well known as a corn fairy. I see a trend, maybe a trend that suggests companies are starting to move away from that a little bit. The corn fairies of this world have very good coaches. They do a good job. They're very expensive. And individual practitioners, while they can be very expensive, on average are going to be considerably less expensive and can be equally talented and have more flexibility there. If you're an individual who's looking to find a coach, well, your best friend is probably, at least as a starting point, 
Google. You know? Yes. Good old Google. And you can do searches within the databases of these different coaching federations. The International Coaching Federation is one example. They have a database of coaches. You can look, you can see. If you want someone to work with in person who's near you, you can search and look for different characteristics and find some different options. The other resource, and one that's probably even more broadly used, is a referral process. Who do you know in your network that has worked with a coach and talk to them and find out who they've worked with and connect with those coaches. And you typically want to talk to at least three different coaches because of the chemistry piece and, you know, how do they fit? How do they charge? How do they like to work? What is the style? What is their philosophy? You know, and finding the right fit is really important. So I would say that's probably how you want to look at it. Okay. That's terrific advice. Thank you so much. Allison, this has been great. You are truly an expert and we would love to have our listeners find out more about you and your executive coaching. How do they sure. do that? Sure. So they can reach me or find out at least a, a high level of information about me and my coaching at my website. That's alisonjocelyn.com. I'm Allison with one L, A-L-I-S-O-N, last name Jocelyn, J-O-S-L-Y-N.com. Same for my email, allison at allisonjocelyn.com. Let's keep it simple and consistent. Absolutely. I would encourage anybody who has an interest in understanding more about coaching or potentially talking to me about whether there might be a good fit to work together to reach out to me either through the website or through uh, an email directly to me. Okay, that's terrific. Thank you again, Allison, for being our guest expert on Looking Forward, and we wish you continued success in your new career. Thank you very much. No, it's been a real pleasure. And, and I can tell you, coaching is just such a wonderful resource that I hope more and more people are able to avail themselves of it. I hope so, too. Thank you. This concludes part two of our two-part series on executive and career coaching trends, opportunities, and the future with our guest expert, Allison Joslin. If you enjoyed this episode, Please be sure to tell your family, friends, and other members of your network about it and encourage them to listen to it too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F dash Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.